0: Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything.
2: AT&T. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TyRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer rated Handcooked Dyna Pro AT2 Extreme. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to tirerackcom sports. Tirerack.com, that's the way tire buying should be.
0: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store,
3: or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
2: Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
3: This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
2: But over the weekend, the commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell, basically... Basically said, my bad. We were wrong. Now, look, you and I could admit to mistakes, major and minor, and we can admit to mistakes. Um, but when you're a man in your fifties who is worth. I don't know, over a hundred million dollars. You're making 40 million a year. You're worth over a hundred million dollars. You're running the most successful sport in the country, maybe the world. And seemingly you don't have to either, I guess, make a statement or even say you're wrong to offer up that you were wrong on something that you took a hard and fast stance with. I think it's a, Pretty big breakthrough moment. Actually, I think it's a seminal moment because even though this is in truth a major societal issue, right? What 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 has? It, it's interesting. I was Saturday. I was at the beach. It was at Newport, in Newport Beach, a beach called Blackie's Beach. And just so you know, it's called Blackie's because the sand has like some oil in it, so there's some black sand in it. Right. It's called Blackie's Beach. And I just took my son there because he has a friend who's a girl who, and two of her other little girlfriends. So she's is technically his girlfriend, but they're just friends. And they wanted to surf. So we get there at, I don't know, 7, 7.15 in the morning. And they were going to surf until about nine. And at nine o'clock, there's a massive gathering. And if you know anything about surf culture is something called a paddle out. And a paddle out is usually reserved usually when somebody dies Um, and people say nice things and everybody splashes the water. They bring specific kinds of flowers, sunflowers, they throw them in the middle. Everybody stays out there for a while. And then you come in. So they were going to have a massive black lives matter paddle out. And uh, I, I, I listened to this woman speak. She was unbelievably eloquent and she really brought me to thought. Right. And what she talked about was this. She said, I, when the quarantine happened, I think it happened so that we slowed down and we, we started paying attention to one another, our families, our neighbors. Think about what you've done during quarantine, right? You've probably gone on more walks and you realized, hey, my neighborhood's pretty nice for going for a walk. You know, dogs are the happiest they've ever been. Why? Because their people that are taken for walks and then there's other dogs out there. You go and ride your bikes with your kids. I have seen during the three months of quarantine in Southern California, I've seen kids go from training wheels to now jumping off curbs and riding. It's like you're watching kids progress every day. Things you'd never do in the past. Why? Because you were never home, nor did you ever pay attention, nor did they have a chance to teach their kids how to ride a bike. But what she said, and this was really interesting, was it gave us a chance to pay attention. And by her estimation, it's pretty interesting what happened to George Floyd. We're now paying attention to something we were told for a long time was a problem and had been happening far too often. And so when you combine quarantine with what happened to George Floyd, and by the way, I think the reaction to it from not just the police department, but the government, specifically 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, we start to pay attention to all the things that are going on. Look, it's not just about Black Lives Matter, police brutality. That's a big part of it. It's also about the president. It's also about weapons. It's also about, have you had discussions about racism, discrimination with your children, with your friends in the past? I think eventually it'll be about, not did you protest, but did you actually decide to register and vote? Like all of these things, we have time to pay attention to ourselves and we start to realize we are reaping what we sowed. But to have Roger Goodell say, hey, I was wrong. We were wrong. That is a seminal moment because even though it's technically about George Floyd and it's about others in the past or in the recent past. The one professional athlete who it's most related to or most about is Colin Kaepernick, who is an NFL player who is no longer playing in the NFL. And of course, his protest led to the NFL Saying, "Hey, if you don't protest, and if you do, just don't come out of the locker room." And of course, there's what President Trump said, and what Jerry Jones said, and all these other things. It's not about football, but football went hand in hand with these protests, and it's where our awareness of the problem started in sports, at least. Right? Ferguson was a national national story. But it was the awareness of the issues were brought to a head by Colin Kaepernick kneeling. You can say whatever you want about him. That's a, that, that, I believe, is accurate and kind of inarguable. The other part is, you know, and this is a you reap what you sow thing. I've said this about President Trump. Okay. That was Goodell saying that says, you not only lost us, you lost all of our sponsors. Because the big reason that people who are super powerful don't pick a side is you can't run a business if you lose your sponsors. You just can't. And if you want to be the guy that dies on that hill of I will either not say anything or I will you know, support divisiveness, you're going to die lonely on that hill, especially when Goodell and the NFL live. But Goodell is not only saying He can't do that without the approval of the owners and he can't, and the owners wouldn't let him say that unless they heard from enough of their sponsors of their corporate sponsors that approved it. He is a figurehead. So I'm not sure that people you're underselling massively. I think people are how big that was. And it was a middle finger to the guy who op- occupies the office of 1600. But but here's the thing. I, I will give Trump this, this amount of credit. He ran on a platform of divisiveness. And now, three and a half years in, all the things he said he would do, he's kind of done. Right? Has he built the wall that he wanted to build? No. Some of it is just refurbishing the wall, but some of it is new wall. He's done that. Doesn't mean, I'm not saying I vote for my, I'm just telling you, like, go back and look at the things he said he would do. He did. Including divide our country. And maybe in his effort to divide us, he has. He's pitted himself against the rest of us. Right? Look, look, I'm somebody who I went on TV and I believe this to this day. Like, you are absolutely positively allowed to have your own belief on what the flag means when the national anthem plays. Absolutely. Drew Brees wasn't wrong for what he believed in the national anthem. The mistake was not having empathy for understanding what the protest was about and the timing of what he was saying and how it would relate to this upcoming season in the NFL. And he showed no openness to having a discussion. Right, this is what I believe and that's it. Which, l- look, my, my personal, my biggest problem with politics, honestly, is that where we do this whole thing, well, you know, his voting record 25 years ago, he, like 25 years ago, you know? Think of yourself, if you're old enough to remember yourself 25 years ago, think of yourself 25 years ago, your thoughts, your beliefs, hopefully you evolve, hopefully you change. Life experiences should change you as a human being. I kind of hope you don't think the same thing now that you did 25 years ago. If you did, then you need some self-reflection. You need to check out this thing called the internet, do some reading, do some research. A lot has happened since then. You know, a lot has happened since then. But, you know, I I just, I sit here and and look and I'm amazed. Now, I'm also going to tell you that I have so many friends that are African-American that I've listened to and asked them about. And I I do think one of the things that is being misportrayed is this sense that, you know, LeBron James, they don't like us. I don't know. I see the ratio of these awful racists that we're trying to eliminate from the, from our society to the peaceful protesters and realize that it's like hundreds of thousands to one think of think the actual ratio of people who want positive change as opposed to people who don't, you know, we're, we're in a much different place than we were four years ago, which is a good thing. Are we where we're supposed to be? No. Are we perfect? No. Is there time for reform and reflection and growth? Yes. And was the NFL too late? No, no. It's never too late to say, Hey, you know what? My bad. I'm sorry. And to look into the camera and tell the country you're wrong. The most powerful man in all of sports, Roger Goodell, I'm I'm not sure that we have yet grasped the seminal moment that took place this weekend and what it's going to mean what what it's going to mean in the world of sports. Look, does the cynic in me think he said it because every NFL player is going to kneel week one of the season? Probably they didn't want to be just a terrible look to be the one sports league that doesn't take a stand against racism. Probably. But I also think that that he went to a place when he says that he was wrong. We were wrong. They didn't have to go. Not necessarily as strongly. And to that, it not only has to be commended, it has to be earmarked, and it tells you where we are and how big this is.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming!
2: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their Toyo tire test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tyratt.comslash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Tom Verducci joins us. MLB Network's new series, Sounds of Baseball. Begins tonight at eight Eastern Time, featuring Vin Scully, with Tom Verducci and Bob Costas as co-host. The episodes will look back at some of Vin's greatest calls and moments from his Hall of Fame career. Uh, Tom, first, wh- why the wh- why the arguing back and forth? We're not going to have a counteroffer. We're just going to make offers of our own.
4: Well, I think philosophically, they've not been able to get on the same page. It's like they're speaking different languages here. For the players, it's about hey we agreed to a pay cut back in march based on the number of games played what you keep asking us to do is to take more pay cuts because now there's no people on the stand so they can't agree on that the other thing is the owners are dead set against or against pushing the postseason into november and possibly the first week of december uh... there's a lot of reasons for that the first and foremost is they're fearing as a lot of businesses do a second wave of the coronavirus coinciding with the fall flu season But also, you know, their television partners have other options. And, you know, basketball now is going to be playing in October. And it's just not a clear calendar. And what do you do about weather when you get to December or especially November uh, in in a lot of these cities? Where are you going to play these games? So the owners are saying we can't move the postseason. We don't want to move the postseason. The players are saying, yeah, we're good with that. We can play into December if we want. Why not? So they can't even agree on those philosophies, and that's why these, it sounds like two different languages that they're speaking when it comes to these proposals. So what the owners did today, I don't expect the union's going to like it, because what the owners did was they improved, to some degree, they improved their offer to the players, but it didn't really work off what the players had proposed.
2: So why the 76 games?
4: Well, basically, it's it's the calendar they're working on now. Basically, the the dream that baseball would restart with this great 4th of July weekend with rivalry games, that's pretty much gone at this point. Uh, You need a three-week training camp. You need basically a week to get people into camps, get the COVID testing up and running, COVID education. It's not like you can decide today you're playing and have people in camps tomorrow. So lag time pretty much rules out. I think July 4th that brings us to the next weekend and just doing the simple math of how many games you can play without being crazy with double headers and seven in games, which they're not going to do. Um, they really need to, or MLB says they need to end the regular season at the end of September so that the world series does not go into November. Don't forget presidential election is what November 3rd. They're yeah. not going to be having a world series or playoff games that day or anywhere around that date. So they want to finish it. By the end of October so 76 is just a matter of starting on a weekend with a certain number of weeks possible to make sure they end at the end of September
2: uh, okay so what do the players do in response
4: great question uh, I, you know listen right now if you want to go strictly just by dollars Doug, what the players have on the table is to play 114 games and that would pay them about 2.8 billion dollars this latest proposal by the owners and this is including the postseason money, which is not guaranteed because some of it goes away if there is no postseason, but their, their package guarantees them about half of that, about $1.4 billion. So they're a billion dollars apart. <laughs> I mean, So, you know, listen, there was, some, there was a little tiny sweetener in there that the owner said, hey, listen, we'll take away free agent compensation. You know, guys like Craig Kimbrell being out there on the market because people didn't want to give up the draft pick in addition to signing a pitcher or a player. That will go away under the owner's proposal, but that doesn't really affect a handful of guys. It's a big deal to a handful of guys, but it doesn't really affect a lot of the rank and file. But that was a little bit of a sweetener. I'm sure they would like that, but that's not a clincher. Um, so, listen, the players, if they stick to their word that they don't want to take any other pay cut, that they are only accept a prorated basis of games, um, maybe they come back. Listen, they're under the gun right now in terms of timing. The, the owners have said, hey, give us an answer by Wednesday, which I like. I mean, if they, if they absolutely hate this thing and, you know, just come back with something by Wednesday, because this has already taken way too much time. And every day that goes by now is taking away days off the baseball calendar.
2: What's your best guess? I mean, we're going kind to of have baseball, right?
4: Yeah, I think right now, I mean, I just don't see a lot of compromise room in these two proposals. So it could get back to the idea that Manfred, after what they claim to be, you know, fair offers going back and forth, sort of a, reaching an impasse, it kind of implements this 50-game season, 48 to 52 games, and uh, a postseason after that. So, you know, listen, I would take that. It's not the best scenario in the world. But you've got to remember, Doug, that really what's driving this is postseason TV money, right? Almost 60% of baseball's entire national TV package, that money – Comes from the postseason. And they have to make sure, A, that it's played, which is why they don't want to push it into no- November. And B, there has to be enough of a regular season to justify having a quote unquote normal postseason. So this is about, even if it's 50 games, I think that's enough to have a normal postseason. I mean, go back to 81 if you want to use that as kind of a precedent here. That was that strike year. There was the second half of the season. You had t- four teams get a playoff spot by playing 52 games. So, it's been done before, it's not ideal, but right now I think that's where we're heading. A uh, 48 to 52 game season.
2: How do they make up that lost revenue for the RSNs, you know? And, and and the RSNs, some of them are at least partially or owned by these Major League Baseball teams. If you have 50 games, what happens with that shortfall of inventory to those RSNs?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how you can make it up. Um, Listen, they'll do some things, like they could have an all-star game. This is not really going to affect the RSNs, but they could have an all-star game and a home run derby after the regular season. You know, my idea is you could do that like the day before the World Series starts. That's a revenue generator. But, again, that's not going to go specifically to the coffers of the RSNs. To the teams, it will. As you mentioned, a lot of teams do have a stake in their RSNs. But uh, the other thing to think about, you talk about the RSNs, Doug, is, you know, in the summer months, most baseball teams they have the highest ratings of any cable network. The RSNs do uh, night after night in the summer, but now you're talking about the NBA pushing possibly their next season, what a month or two later, starting in December, and they're going to be playing in May and June next year, infringing on the baseball calendar. So the empty space that baseball had it by itself on the in the sporting calendar may go away next year in 2021. So good luck projecting revenues next year for baseball, not just whatever they can salvage in 2020.
2: All right, so let let's say we get the 50 season, 50 game season going. Um but like what will that look like? I mean the obviously stats will be completely thrown out the window. Um but you know like w- what what when do we have our first base if 4th of July is off the table, what is the What's the earliest possible time we'll see a real baseball game?
4: Well, if we get something along the line to 76 games, you kind of doubt, um, probably July 10th, but if it's the 50-game scenario you're talking about the beginning of August, say August 1st, and you'll have a schedule where you're going to play the teams in your own division, probably home and home two or three times, and then you would play one home and home series against the teams in the like division of the opposite league. So that's going to reduce travel. Um, you're not going to be playing a lot of teams in your league. You know, you're not going to see you know, coast-to-coast matchups. It's just not going to happen. It's a shorter season with less travel. Um, so it's going to be a very different kind of year. Don't forget you're going to have uh, 30-man rosters with 15-man pitching staffs. And you know what that means. That means you're going to have more pitching changes than we already have, and you're going to depress offense in a shorter season because you're not going to have, you think pitchers go shorter now as starting pitchers uh, and it's a bullpen game. It's really going to be a bullpen game. If it's short season with like two or three weeks to get ready for it.
2: Um, Okay. So the state of Texas would allow some fans at sporting events. um, And then, you know, there's this story out of the WHO that asymptomatic uh, carriers of the coronavirus are very unlikely to, to spread the spread, the virus, the numbers, I, I guess we'll see there, there are some spikes in the numbers, but most of the flat, the curve has been flattened. Is there any thought to, Hey, we might actually have fans at the games. And so there, you know, by the time we get to when they'd be playing baseball, it could be closer to business as usual. You
4: know, it certainly is from the player side. And that's something that they brought up. Um, the owners have been operating from the assumption that we're not going to have any fans at any point. And if something changes, that. You know, they'll adjust, and it's obviously something they hope for. But you're right. Texas is allowing now, what, up to 50% capacity in outdoor ballparks. Uh, so there's a possibility there will be some revenue coming in from the gate. Um, but as you know, you know, that, that's subject to change, whatever the virus is doing at the time. So I don't know if anything that you can count on, but it does seem like there's a possibility of some – gate revenues coming in even if it's on a case-by-case basis I doubt all the way across the board um but yes it may be something higher than zero when it comes to gate attendance
2: no listen uh th- this this new series sounds of baseball um when I think of Vin I mean obviously growing up in Southern California it's it, it's like listening to poetry as as you're driving I I I do think of game one of the 88 World Series now it should be pointed out that uh Jack, Bu- Jack Buck also had an incredible call of the Kirk Gibson home run. Um, went off the top of your head, and obviously, I know you've completed these shows are on tape. Yes. Okay. I,
4: I, and in fact, Jack Buck is going to be the second episode in the series. So, good call on your part.
2: Okay. Um, what is does does Vin say what his favorite moment was? Does 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 he is he asked? No,
4: I mean, Vin never, in all the years I've known him, he's never really identified a favorite call. What's interesting, though, is, you know, one of his famous ones, too, is uh, Larson's Perfect Game, the sure. World Series. He was working radio, had the second half of the game, and he actually hates that call. Because back then, there was sort of this tradition that you didn't mention a no-hitter was going on. And he stuck to that, and he was so aware of critics at the time, TV was really at its infancy as far as being a national platform to, to showcase games, that critics would criticize uh, TV announcers for being too wordy and talkative. So he doesn't say nearly as much, and he never mentioned the fact that Larson's got a perfect game in order, which, of course, he would never do after that. But he said that was tough for him to actually listen to years later because he thought it wasn't very good. Uh, and as far as the Gibson call, I mean— you're right. His his wordsmithing is to me unmatched in broadcast history in any sport. His timing is just really to me impeccable. Just laying out and let you know, not talking above the drama and the noise of the crowd. And then finding the absolutely perfect right words when he breaks the silence, you know, in the year of the improbable, the impossible has happened. It's just I mean, listen, he works in a business like a lot of us in broadcasting where there's no delete key, there's no second draft. You have to nail it first time, and you're doing national games. And I I will tell you that going back and listening to a lot of his calls, Doug, Vince Scully got it not just right but perfect on the first draft of history virtually every time. The guy is just amazing.
2: Hmm. MLB Network's new series, Sounds of Baseball, begins tonight. Features Vin uh, with uh, Tom Verducci, our guest, and Bob Costas, all his co-hosts. The episode will look back at some of Vin's greatest calls and moments from his Hall of Fame career. Can't wait to see it tonight. Thanks so much for joining us. Can't wait to talk with you when we actually have baseball, Tom. Appreciate you being our guest.
3: I'm with you, man. Thank you. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for...
2: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to slash sports to see their Toyo tire test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's slash sports, com. Tireac.com, the way tire buying should be. You guys think Colin Kaepernick ever plays again. Now I'm a, I'm a facts above feelings guy. I realized that Kaepernick wasn't viewed as an elite quarterback when he ultimately was out of the league. It's a very, it's more, much more complicated than, well, he took a knee. And so nobody wanted to sign him because Seattle brought him in for a meeting. And when he left, they had nothing but nice things to say about him. And they said, he wants to be a starter. We have Russell Wilson. The translation there was like, either he wants a chance to compete or he wants starters money. And I'm sure Russell Wilson probably called and said, what are you doing? I don't want this guy behind me. Why? Cause that's what starting quarterbacks do. He screwed up. He screwed up the Baltimore thing or his girlfriend screwed up the Baltimore thing right? where he was getting ready to go. And everybody thought he was going to sign with Baltimore. Ray Lewis went to Steve Bishotti, the owner and said, you need to sign this guy. And his girlfriend tweeted a meme of Ray Lewis and Bashotti and like side-by-side picture of Django unchanged, the slave owner, right? And, And Baltimore made sense because John Harbaugh is the coach. He played for Jim Harbaugh. And oh yeah, by the way, Greg Roman's the offense coordinator. He was his offense coordinator in San Francisco. Like all of that made sense and they screwed it up. Roman style is unique, but they already have a former starter, former pro bowler, as a backup in RG3, who's kind of rehabbed and RG3, you know, took on the, I'll take no money. I'll just be a backup guy. I still think if God forbid, Lamar Jackson got hurt, Cam Newton, maybe Colin Kaepernick, but probably Cam Newton. Like, I don't think that you can, the NFL can do an about face. I, when you're an owner of an NFL team and you've helped as many players as Bashadi has and you know, guys, girlfriend, tweets out that basically you're a slave owner, racist like that, that one, I don't say, I think he's dead to Baltimore. And because there are, there's no real other offshoots of what Greg Roman's doing. He doesn't necessarily have a rabbi in the room, but I'll tell you a place that might make sense. So the problem with bringing in Kaepernick is whoever your starter is not coming in as a starter. Whoever your starter is like Kaepernick's a thing. It would be press conferences, media, and it would, there will be some sort of push for him to play. If you're not winning games or scoring enough points, there's like, Hey, remember, call now. For those of us who know, know that Kaepernick had arm surgery. He had leg surgery. He wasn't nearly the same guy. And we're talking about, he hasn't been an elite quarterback since 2013 is 2020. It's seven years ago. But That doesn't stop fans from thinking, and lots of starters wouldn't want him as their backup. Kansas city is the one place I could see it working. I mean, maybe even Houston, right? But but Bill O'Brien's the GM. That seat is really hot. But but no one no one wants to sit Deshaun Watson, right? There's no chance Deshaun Watson sits just like there's no chance. Pat Mahomes sitting behind Pat Mahomes makes the most sense. He's the best quarterback in the league. He's coached by a guy who can really help him. Additionally, like if Kaepernick wants to play football, think of all the Andy Reid guys that are out there. You know, Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, Eric Bieniemy. eventually will probably get a head coaching job this upcoming year. There are plenty of Andy Reid family guys that are in the National Football League as coaches that would give you an opportunity to get another job next year. And Andy Reid helped Mike Vick rehabilitate his career. So I I think Kansas city would make the most sense. Of course, it'd be bad news for Chad Henney. One time starting quarterback. Who's the backup now making peanuts.